Hello, and welcome to the Life Center Podcast. We're a church in Tacoma, Washington that exists to inspire our community to love and follow Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at all of our campuses, you can download the Life Center app, interact with us on social media, or visit lifecenter.com. Let's jump into this week's message. Thanks for listening. Hey, today we are going to continue with our series that we've entitled Paradigm Shift. We're taking a number of weeks walking through Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to jump right into Matthew chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, grab them, Matthew chapter 7. If not, the words will be up on the screen. Today we're going to deal with the area of shifting our attitude. Shifting our attitude. You ever met somebody who needed an attitude adjustment? Anybody? Yeah. Today, I want to begin in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. And we're going to start with a verse that's probably one of the most quoted and one of the most misquoted verses in all of Scripture. No doubt you've heard these words. Here we go. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. It says this. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. How many of you, you've ever had somebody look at you and say, the Bible says don't judge? can't judge me. It's interesting, we, we pause at this verse and we, we, we find ourselves going, okay, Jesus says don't judge, so, so maybe that means I should not have an opinion about anything. Maybe I shouldn't give input about anything. But what's important to understand is what Jesus meant by that word judge. What he's getting at here is really about developing a critical spirit or a critical attitude about somebody else. Here's why this is so important. We've just spent Matthew's chapter 5 and 6 looking at what it is to be a citizen in the kingdom. And one of the things that Jesus talks about over and over again is living a righteous life. And so he's wanting to warn his hearers, if you go down that journey of trying to live righteous, be aware that you don't get to this place that all of a sudden you're looking down your nose at other people in judgment. He says, do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which You'll be judged. How many know his hearers, all of a sudden, Jesus had their attention? Wait, the the measure I use in judgment, it's going to be measured back? See, that's the tricky thing about, about having a critical attitude or a critical spirit in judging and condemning. It's a little bit like a boomerang. You throw it out at others, and it finds a way to come right back at you. See, word begins to spread. It's it's interesting. Judgmental people. They have people who know that they are judgmental. And they tell other people that's a judgmental person. What's going on? The judgment has come back around. Not only that, but God says, listen, in in my kingdom, if you use a certain measurement, you need to consider, is that the measurement that you want me to deal with you? number of verses earlier, Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. In the Lord's Prayer, he taught him to pray this way. Forgive those who sin against you. Lord, forgive me just like them. Right? Forgive me of my debts as I forgive my debtors. 
Literally what Jesus is teaching us to pray is, God, to the level that I'm willing to forgive somebody else, go ahead and forgive me the same amount. How many know that's a dangerous way to pray? Why? Because when it comes to judgment, it's so easy to see other people's issues. And as we journey along with Jesus, if we're not careful, we can develop a critical heart, a critical attitude to those who are in their own redemption process, just like me, just like you. So Jesus says, beware of the measure you use. He goes on. He says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye. It's interesting, at the end of chapter six, he said, don't worry about your life. And now he's saying, and why are you worried about that speck in your friend's eye? Why do you worry about that when you have a log in your own? Now imagine this picture. Here you are, you're, you're, you're kind of freaking out, you're pointing out this little piece of sawdust in your friend's eye while you have a telephone pole hanging out of yours. That's the visual that Jesus is giving us here. So why, why are you worried about that? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. One of the things I want us to note is Jesus doesn't say, hey, the speck, it doesn't matter. See, some of us, we've, we've read these verses before and we say, well, who am I to judge that speck? That's, you know, we all have specks. But for those of us who have ever been cutting a piece of wood and we get a little piece of sawdust in our eye, how many know that speck matters? It makes a difference to get it out. But the challenge is, will I come across in hypocrisy and judgment about somebody's issue in their life when I haven't first dealt with the issues in mind. See, there's one of two extremes that can happen when we read these words. One is we drift into this place of, of judgment and kind of righteousness, looking down at other people saying, man, get your act together. You should know better. How dare you? And it's interesting, in those moments, Jesus is saying, hey, don't judge like that, because if you do, judgment will come back on you. But he's also not encouraging us to go to the other extreme. And what's this other extreme? Well, sometimes in light of those words, we convince ourselves, well, I can just hang out in this place called moral apathy. Well, I, I can't really speak to them because that's, that's gonna be judgment. Can't really address that speck because I, I, who am I to judge? And, and Jesus isn't saying, hey, that, that's the method. I, I want you to just have no opinion about anything. That's not what Jesus is saying. How many of you know when you go to the doctor? I know there's been different times I've gone to the doctor and he points something out on my test or my chart and, and he, he diagnoses something. My first response when he says that is I look at him and I'm like, hey, why are you so judgmental? How many of you know I've never had that conversation with my doctor? Why? Because a doctor's job is to diagnose what is there. It all comes down to the purpose. Can you say purpose? The purpose why a doctor would point out what needs to adjust is because he wants me to experience health. 
And so for him to say, well, you know, who am I to judge? That's just your medical issues. You know, I'm just going to stand over. That's malpractice. It's actually his, his job to bring clarity. Why? So that I can walk in health. And so it would be crazy for me to, to fire back at my doctor and say, man, every time I'm in here, you're so judgmental. No, he's there to help diagnose, just like scripture is there to help us diagnose what needs to be healed in our lives. See, Jesus loves us enough to sometimes confront the areas that need to be confronted. But the challenge for me, the more that I sit with this passage, the more that I reflect on these words, the more I realize, Jesus, you still got a lot of work to do in this guy right here. Because it's so easy to get caught up and consumed and concerned with the specks in other people's eyes. And there I am walking through life with a telephone pole just kind of hanging out for the world to see. Jesus invites us, no, 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 pause for a moment. Consider what needs to be removed from your own eye so that you can see clearly. See, that's the wrestle for me. I don't always see as clearly as I think I do. What about you? We, we think we have a clear vantage point. We think we know what's going on. And, and here's the challenge. Since I don't see as clearly as I think I do, a critical spirit says more about me than it does about them. So when, when I'm operating from this point of, of a critical heart in judging others, you want to know it's not really about them, it's about me. The moment that my spirit becomes critical, the more that I build myself up and puff myself up and say, man, if you would just realize the speck in your eye, if you could just get your act together, it's interesting how this thinking, it invades relationships on every level of our lives. For some of us, we, we get so consumed with the speck in our spouse's eye, and, and we say to them, listen, if you would just get your act together, our marriage would be perfect. And we turn really quickly, and we almost knock them over with the log in our eye. We say to our boss, man, if, if you actually could just get over your incompetence, maybe this company would work properly. And we, we get busy nitpicking the specs that we see around us. But the challenge is the more I operate with a critical heart, we need to understand it's not saying something about them. It's actually revealing something about me. It's revealing something about me. What about that critical heart? That needs to be adjusted. You see, today, Jesus wants to give us an attitude adjustment. Why is that important to recognize about the, that critical spirit saying something about me? Well, it's, under, it's important to understand my goal in being critical isn't to be helpful. I just want to bring some condemnation. I, I want to kind of puff myself up over them. See, if we really wanted to be helpful, the heart, the purpose, the meaning would be different. Jesus invites us today to consider what is the attitude under the action? Do we have a critical heart that he wants to change? Because again, he's, he's reminding us life in his kingdom, there, there's a paradigm shift that has to take place. It's not about just condemning and, and judging. It's about understanding who he is and what he wants to do. Have you ever convinced yourself that it's your obligation to be helpful to somebody else? 
Ryan, come on up here. Uh, I've known Ryan uh, since elementary school, and Ryan and I, we, we have the blessing of working together. And Ryan, I, I wanted to tell you this one-on-one, but instead I decided to do this corporately. Because um, it appears like that's, that's how most of modern Christianity works. Instead of going one-on-one, you just put it on Facebook. So we're just going to put this on Facebook right now. Um, there's, there's, a, uh, there's a speck in your life. And um, yeah, it might affect your drumming. But I, I do have good news. I, I am a super Christian. Uh, really, really good at being a Christian. Like... Really, I, I know a lot of the Bible. Uh, I know I know a lot of the Bible, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna get to your spec. And I've developed something that that has helped me be more effective at removing your speck. It's I call it the helpful helmet. So I've designed this patent pending. This is the the helpful helmet. Because. Because here's what happens. I, I, I've been concerned about this speck in your eye. And so what, what we're going to do, we're going to deal with the speck really quick. So, so I need you to stop playing defense. That speck is a big deal. Okay? So let me just get... Ryan, put your hands down. Okay? He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Here we go. Okay? How many recognize? How many recognize sometimes you want to be helpful, you think you're being helpful, but the problem is if you're unwilling to consider the issues in your own life, it's hard to actually bring the help that you want to bring. Ryan, do you trust me? Just let me, do you trust me? Consider that. You know how many people in our world don't trust Christians? Is that sad to anybody else? Isn't it sad that people who are called out, they've been saved, they've been redeemed, they've been transformed, yet the world doesn't trust us? Why? Because we haven't taken time. We think we see so clearly and And today, here's what Jesus is inviting us to do. Take off the helpful helmet for a minute. Deal with the the log in your eye. Because here's why. The moment that I deal with with my own flaws, my own failures, my own inadequacies, I, I allow the Holy Spirit to deal with those logs or those planks in my eyes. Now that I see God clearly, now that I see myself clearly, now I can go to my friend and say, hey, let's deal with this. And all of a sudden, there's freedom there. Deal with that speck, okay, man? Thanks. Deal with that speck. See, I wonder how many of us, we, we, we think that if, if I just call it out, if I just show them, and yet if our heart's desire is not to be helpful, if our heart's desire is not to provide healing, we miss the very point. Jesus says, listen, yeah, the speck, the speck needs to be dealt with, but first deal with the lock. Deal with the lock. You see, we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Do I want to help them with the speck for their sake, or do I point out the speck 
for my sake. It all comes back to motivation. It all comes back to why we do what we do. And today, to help us understand this and to help us experience that attitude shift of moving away from a critical attitude and a critical heart, there's three keys that I want to share with you. Number one is this, check yourself. Can you say check yourself? Come on, how many 90s rap fans? You just went back for a moment right there. (laughs) Check yourself. You see, we have to start With us. This is what David prayed in Psalm 139. Listen to these words. He said, Search me, O God. Imagine if we prayed that way, that we weren't just praying, God, deal with their speck. God, point out their speck. What if we first started with checking ourselves? David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything. Can you say anything? anything in me that offends you. How many know this is a dangerous prayer to pray? Because if you pray this and then you stop doing this and just listen, God will show you. God will be, hey, you know that attitude that you have with your spouse? Let's deal with that log. Hey, you know that tone that you just spoke to your boss? Hey, hey, let's, let's change that tone. It's interesting, if we create space for the Holy Spirit to shine his light in the deep, dark places of our hearts, God will show us what we need to see. We have to first check ourselves, check ourselves. At times, how do we do this? Well, allowing the Holy Spirit to to speak to us, to reveal what's there, spending some alone time, but also asking someone. So, Those of you who are married, ask your spouse sometime, hey, what's it like to be married to me? How many of you know? They might let you know. (laughs) Ask a coworker, hey, what's it like to work next to me? They'll probably lie to you and tell you, you know. But at times, listen, we have to first start with checking Ourselves. Everybody say, check yourself. Here's the second thing, though, that we need to do. We need to look for a standard disparity. Look for a standard disparity. Jesus said, the measure you use, it's going to be measured back to you. The standard that you judge somebody else with, that same standard is going to come back your way. You ever experienced a, a standard disparity in life? Somebody told you to do one thing and they did completely the opposite? Last week, our kids went around the neighborhood, and people started giving them candy. It was weird. I don't know what, what that was all about. But they were, uh, they were chowing down on candy one night, and I was like, hey, no more candy. Go to bed. You're cut off. And the moment that they got into their bedrooms, Dad went and found the Snickers bars and just. <laughs> why? It's my parental privilege. <laughs> this is why I had children. No, that's not why I had children. But what is that? There there was a disparity in the standard. What I was expecting of them and asking of them, I myself was not living the same thing out. This happened to a man named King David. King David in the book of 2 Samuel says this, that in the times that kings went off to war, David stayed home. And during that period, he saw this young woman named Bathsheba. He seduced her, got into this relationship with her, and to cover his sin, he decided to have her husband killed because she became pregnant. 
And all of a sudden, the prophet Nathan shows up at David's house. And Nathan begins to tell David this story. David, there was a man who had a flock of sheep, but then he took note of his neighbor's sheep, and he decided he wanted those, so he took those sheep for himself. And as Nathan is telling this story, David is getting more and more angry, and all of a sudden, David lashes out, that man should be put to death. And Nathan looks at David and says, you are that man. See, in that moment, David didn't see that there was a disparity in his standards. He he wanted his sin to be covered up. He wanted justice for this other man's sin. You see, this creeps into each of our lives so quickly if we're not careful. It's easy to hold other people to a certain standard that we ourselves would not want to be held to. We want to bring judgment towards something over here, but, but the areas of our issues or our weaknesses, God, just let's, let's just keep that under your grace. Is there a standard disparity? See, we need to understand this. It's, it's hard to be helpful without humility. It's hard to be helpful with, with somebody else if we're not willing to, to show humility in our lives. See, Samuel, he, he, or Nathan rather, he comes to David and, and there was already relationship there between the two of them. And by the way, I think that's a key, is learning to, to understand the dynamic of relationship when it comes to speck removal. Sometimes we think that just because we have an internet access that that gives us license to help people remove their specks, but that's not how we see the pattern in Scripture Relationship matters, but also humility. It's, it's, it, if we don't engage humility, and where does that come from? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 5, right at the start of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. Humility. Understanding our need of God. You see, it's only then that we can go to our brother or our sister and help them with the speck in their life. So check yourself. Look for a standard disparity. And number three, keep the grace that you have received in view. Keep the grace that you have received in view. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, the reason that you have experienced salvation, the reason that your life has been transformed is not because you've done so many good things. It is by God's sheer grace that we've been saved. It's God's goodness. That's our only hope. And yet the moment that we lose sight of grace, it's easy to look at other people and and begin to condemn them and have this critical attitude. How could you? How dare you? You see, grace, what does it do? It brings me down. It, It helps me take that helmet off. It deals with the log in my eye and say, man, if it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for the grace of God. See, here's what I love about the grace of Jesus in my life. On my worst day, I'm not outside of the reach of it. Doesn't matter how bad your day's been, doesn't matter how bad this week has been, doesn't matter how bad this month has been or this year has been. You are not outside of the reach of his grace. But the opposite is true as well. On my best day, I'm not outside of the need of his grace. When I've been living right and I'm doing all my things correctly and I'm, I've been spending time in Scripture and I'm renewing my mind and I'm spending time in the presence of the Lord, I still am in that same desperate need of grace. 
And the more that I keep that in view, the more it helps me to actually come alongside of a brother or a sister and say, hey, I'm in, same, I'm in need of this same grace. Let me, let me help you with this speck because Jesus is still working on a lot of my specks. Let me, let me help you. Let me help you. Let me, let me come alongside of you today. See, it comes back to the motive. And when we think about God's motive to rescue and redeem mankind, my thoughts go to John chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. Many of us, we know uh, verse 16 says this, that, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. NLT says it this way, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's his plan of rescue, but then we got to continue on into verse 17, because look at this. It says, God sent his son into the world not to what? Judge. Well, trust me, Jesus, everybody is going to stand before Jesus someday. He is the ultimate judge. What's the context? Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, to rescue. So if Jesus' heart towards humanity is not to have this critical condemning heart, but a plan of healing, a plan of salvation, a plan of rescue, should that not also be our perspective as we come alongside of our friends and we deal with the speck, but we first check ourselves? We first look for a standard disparity in our lives. We first take some time to look through the lens of the grace that we have been recipients of. And then, and then, and then we live with a different attitude. Today, can I invite you to stand across this room? I wanna take a moment to pray before we're sent from this place. Because listen, maybe there's some here today that you've never put your trust in the work that Jesus has done for you. That's that's that next step. You may say, well, Tyler, how how do I know I can be forgiven? I've tried so much, I've tried so hard. No, the, the key to being forgiven is by putting your trust in the right thing. And that thing is a person. His name is Jesus. He, he lived the life we could not live. He died the death. We all should have died. But the good news is he rose again. And by trusting in that work, friends, Scripture declares that we are forgiven. We are free. We have a fresh start with God. Today, if that's your desire, you want to know you have a fresh start with God. Would you just simply raise a hand? Just hold it up for a moment and say, yeah, that's me. That's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Others would say, yeah, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. It's in the balcony. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, can we pray this prayer out loud together, all of us? Would you repeat after me? Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I put my trust in you. Forgive me my sin. Make me a new creation. And help me to follow you all the days of my life. In your name, amen, amen. Come on, can we celebrate those who are making that choice today?